We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. There's a pronounced and profound presence of God in this service today. Amen. He wasn't here when I got here this morning. So we had to bring him with us. God is here because God lives in our lives. If you worship only here, you're missing so much. Every child of God needs to have a time of worship in their life every day. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, when I first got in the church, there was a Choctaw Indian that played a guitar in the church band. And Edgar Hughes was a kind of a unique guy his wife never served God but he was probably the most faithful man in that church and he come up to me after the altar service after I had received the Holy Ghost and asked me what you doing 530 in the morning I said well I'll probably be in bed sleeping because I don't get off till 11 o'clock at night. And he said, well, your schedule's going to change. He said, at 5.30 in the morning, you're going to meet me here at the church to pray. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll be there 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning to pray. And that became a pattern of my life. And, uh, I know that God placed Edgar in my life to transfer and mentor into me things that uh, would make a radical difference in my life. God's presence is the most precious thing that you can have in your life. One of the most fearful passages of Scripture talks about without God in this world. And we're about to find out what it's like when God's presence leaves this world. The nightmare and the horror that we think is happening in our world today is just a Sunday picnic compared to what is going to transpire when God takes his presence out of this world. I could almost say ditto to what Don taught today because he said in his own way what I felt like God has laid on my heart to minister today. And I really feel it's important that I go ahead and preach. I had questioned whether or not I would preach, but uh, I'm going to. You've taken your time, now I'm going to take mine. Hezekiah lamented 
that this is a day of trouble and of rebuke. David was looking for some period of tranquility and harmony so he could prepare for the building of the house of God. But he made this statement, Behold, in my trouble I have prepared for the house of the Lord. If you wait for a perfect circumstance and condition to make a consecration and move to God, you'll be waiting the rest of your life and you'll never get there. Often, a progress with God must begin at a time of great turmoil and opposition. Nehemiah and the turning exiles who returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the temple of God, Nehemiah stated it was in the time of their trouble. Job speaking out of a deep desperation. He said, man that is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. However, in the midst of his trouble, David found that God was a refuge and strength in a time of trouble. Jeremiah the prophet said, God, you fooled me. You're as waters that fail and you're, you're as a brook that fails. You told me to go out here and do this and now here I am in a prison because I prophesied what you put into my mouth. He said, we looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, but behold, trouble. You will find like expressions of this about God in the patriarchs and the prophets and the apostles. It's not a word unique to the Old Testament or the New Testament. It is a Bible word, trouble, storm. However, nothing influences the quality of your life like how you navigate the storms of life. It's what you are in periods of trouble that tells the story about who you really are. I think that people would be a lot happier and better suited to deal with life's setbacks if we just understood that trouble is a fact of life and storms are a fact of being a Christian. When we look at trouble as an annoyance, we have no longer the means to deal with it constructively. We think that an untroubled life is the norm. That's the way life should be. When you view trouble and storms as an intruder, it causes you to resent it, and you cannot address it like a child of God is meant to address trouble. In case you don't know it, life is not a fairy tale. Fantasyland only exists in a Disney park. 
It doesn't exist in life. But even in fairy tales, the storyline is that adversity is ultimately overcome. Truth does triumph. Truth does triumph. You cannot build a wall high enough in your life that the adversity cannot scale it. It will step across the widest moat that you build. There is just no insulation to protect the fortress of life from trouble and storm. When we live as if trouble and storm is not an inevitable fact of life, we set up ourselves for disillusionment when trouble does come. And it produces a generation of those who are clueless how to handle opposition. I think this generation calls them snowflakes. Helicopter parenting, never allowing a child to fail, but fixing things for them and navigating their failure for them. If we can accept that life has difficult periods, that trouble is as present as the air we breathe. Trouble is the inevitable challenge of every single life. There's not a person here that is at least a teen that hasn't known trouble in their life. Because life is hard. Life is painful. But it also can be richly blessed. When you read the great biographies of humanity, you find that life is essentially difficult. What makes the great biography spellbounding is people who accepted their challenge and their trouble in life with courage and an indefatigable spirit there's an old saying in the South, you can't get sap out of a hoe handle. But I know people who have. If we begin life with the premise that the ideal life is untroubled, when trouble comes, we see it as a vandal, and it becomes a daring trans trespasser to our life. What I want to talk to you about today is the importance of having a hurricane file in your life. I think I've touched on this in the past. I'm sure I have. But every ship that sails on any ocean has in its safe on the bridge accessible to the captain what is known as a hurricane file. And in that file, it tells him how to position his ship in the storm, how to correctly ballast it so that can, it can sail through the most horrendous rough seas and come out on the other side sound. Sometimes cargo has to be jettisoned over the side to, to attain the correct balance. Sometimes things have to be thrown overboard to position that ship to be able to stand the storm. 
I think that we as parents really do our children a disservice when we send them off into adult life without a hurricane file in their life because they're going to face trouble. They're going to face trouble. And we allow Christians, when we present that life that is ideal as a Christian is a trouble-filled life, there are always inevitable disasters that happen to all of us. That there is never any inevitable disasters or difficulties ahead. That only peace and tranquility is in an endless paradise. We send them in a life unprepared to know how to articulate their life in the storm. Every Christian needs a hurricane file in their life for such a time as this. Because we are living in a time and an era when your Christianity and my Christianity, my faith and your faith, my trust in God and your trust in God is going to be tried to the ultimate extent. Paul had one. Paul went through a whole litany of lists. And he said, neither height nor depth, nor things present or past, or things present, things future, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He went down the list and he forethought of any circumstance and any situation that could happen to his life. And he determined he sailed into his apostleship with a hurricane file in his heart. It may surprise some of you marriage folks to understand the very, very best of marriages have their times of trouble. When both spouses are disappointed in the other spouse, no career is without its challenge and without its difficulties. And when we fail to instruct the lives that we're called to mentor, that turmoil and pain and sorrow and trouble is a fact of life, we don't prepare them for the disappointments and miseries they'll face. When the, when the weather is a, always a cloudless sky, then every storm becomes an insult. It is a tragic truth. Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. It's the inevitable legacy of every descendant of Adam and Eve. Did Paul live a joyous life? Probably one of the most profoundly joyous lives of any person that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. But his epistles are marked by the storms that he endured and the things that he faced. And he said he did it for the gospel's sake. He was stoned, beaten with rods, lashed with lips, whips on multiple occasions, betrayed, often hungry, misrepresented, abandoned, shipwrecked, in prison, all because he was a Christian. 
all because he served God. Yet he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say unto you, Rejoice. He sang and worshiped in prison after being beaten and chained. Yet he wrote, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. He didn't say, For everything give thanks. He said, In everything. Because there are some things that you cannot give thanks for, but as a child of God, you can always give thanks in them. Paul's adult life was lived against a very dark background. He proves that joy doesn't exist in an untroubled life because Paul experienced probably more trouble than any Christian has ever faced in their life. If Paul couldn't experience joy, then no one ever could living for God, including Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell us that joy must be achieved in spite of trouble and often because of trouble. Who or what events do we celebrate in Scripture? Where do we look for inspiration when we find ourselves behind the eight ball of life? We go to a valley and see a little stripling lad with a slingshot sticking out of his back pocket and a huge giant standing before him. Or we look in a den of lions with a young man because Daniel would rather spend a night with lions than go a day without prayer. A young man languishing in an Egyptian prison unjustly. But when life gets its darkest, you have to walk past the city walls, climb a hill, and see a cross. The greatest joys of life come out of the most difficult things that we have faced. It is said that a calm sea will not a sailor make. You have to have a hurricane file in your life for the inevitabilities that may come. The worst case scenarios have to be thought out and thought through. And you have to prepare your life and prepare your spiritual life and how you're going to address them in advance of when they come. We need to have an air hurricane file for life. We should never send our children into adulthood without preparing them that you're going to have trouble. We need to allow them to fail while they're a child. We need to allow them to skin their knees and bruise their palms to know what it is to feel pain because you're not always going to be there to helicopter over them and save them. Life is tough. Life is tough. Life is not fair. Life isn't just. God's just. And just because Jesus is on board never means that you're exempt from storms. Sometimes he sends you into the storm without his presence and makes you face the storm through the night without his presence. And you have to have faith that at some point he's going to come walking on the waves towards you. Everyone needs a time and space for peace.
I noticed that in every boxing match, a fighter needs them to ring the bell for him to go back and sit on the stool and somebody to minister to him. There are some times that I have been in the battle with God that I have waited and waited for the sound of the bell to ring, and it seemed an endless time before the bell ever rang till I could go sit down and catch my breath and equip myself for the next round ahead. But the thing about it is you always have to be prepared to answer the bell and go back into battle. Great joy like an airplane takes off against the wind. We have to sail through adversity. You know, most people think that a sailboat sails by the wind getting behind it and filling its sails. That's not how it sails. A sailboat has to sail into the wind. Because a sail is like a dihedral. It's just like the wing on an airplane. An airplane wing is a dihedral. The surface above the wing is greater than the surface beneath the wing. So the air traveling over the wing has to travel at a faster rate, which creates a less pressure area. And the air passing underneath the wing is of higher pressure, and so that gives the wing lift. As an adult in life and as a Christian, you need to know how to sail against the wind because it's not always going to be at your back. In fact, one thing I've noticed about humans is that they become bored with a tranquil life. That's why men climb Everest. That's why he dives deep into oceans. Do you know how the depth record was set of deep diving without an air tank in the ocean? It was some fool that tied an engine block to his leg and jumped over the boat with a slip knot on it. And when he got down and got below the lowest level, he pulled the rope that, that let the block drop away, and the air in his lungs shot him back to the surface. We race cars and motorcycles. We do flips on bikes and skateboards. We ski almost impossible runs. And when skiing dangerous slopes is not enough, then we launch off high jumps. I have a friend of mine who wanted me to go skydiving with this month, this month with him on my 75th birthday. I told him, I said, Ron, I spent too much money learning how to fly an airplane to jump out of a good one. It's just not for me. We leap from bridges toward boulders below with bungee cords tied to our feet. Because if life is safe and without danger, but all this only occurs in first world countries, you don't find any of this kind of foolishness and shenanigans in third world countries because they have enough problems just existing in life without having to create all of this thing. There's a billion dollar industry that thrives on producing an even scarier roller coaster or amusement park ride because life doesn't offer enough challenges or difficulty. The best wheat grows in the field of trouble. Really, I think we must accept that life is essentially difficult. 
that trouble is a part of the landscape of all of our lives. That we're going to have episodes, not an episode, but episodes of challenge and trouble in our life. Some more than others. Often unjustly. Only because of where you were born or who you are that you find difficulty and challenge in life. Really, in truth, none of us would have an occupation or be able to earn a living if it wasn't for trouble. Because every occupation serves some need some person has that they cannot fill without your expertise and your ability. And the higher the earning potential seems to come earned by society's least essential citizens. You know, athletes, movie stars, singers. People that you could almost totally do without, do without in life. The higher order of life, the greater capacity it is in our lives to suffer. In the lower orders of life, they're called exoskeletal. Oysters, clams, lobsters, shrimp, insects. Because their skeleton is on the outside, then pain has a difficulty reaching them. It limits and reduces their capacity to feel any outside influence. But the higher orders of life have the skeletons on the inside and their nerve endings at the surface of their body. Therefore, they have to be the most adaptive to the challenges of life. The more sensitive one is to the world around them, the higher purpose that they can live in this life. Jesus said, to this end was I born. For this cause have I come to this hour. The greatest scripture has come out of the pain of living. Paul, his thorn, was given to him because of the greatness of his revelation. Because he walked with God in a way that few people are ever willing to walk with God. Sensitivity and creativity go hand in hand. I often find that the most gifted people who serve the greatest of society are people who are sensitive to others. The rich man had an exoskeletal spirit. There's no record of him doing harm to Lazarus, but he could live an untroubled life with Lazarus sitting at his gate. I'm sure that a lot of his meals went in the garbage can that would have adequately supplanted the diet of Lazarus. The unjust judge had an exoskeletal heart because he was tasked with dispensing justice, but he could live with injustice that he had been called to give out in his culture. And only when his peace was threatened did he live up to his calling. When you come to the highest order of life, that is of God. The Scripture says, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. His greatest creativity and joy didn't occur at creation, but it occurred at the cross 
The Bible said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured, he suffered the shame. Amen. He is sensitive enough that he said, whatever happens to the least of these, my children, happen to me. In fact, without trouble, the best things in this life would never exist. If there's no suffering, there's no sympathy. If there's no pain, there's no patience. If there's no fight, there's no fortitude. All of these virtues exist because there have been problems in this world. You may not like that we live in that kind of world where it takes the worst to bring the best out of us. But that happens to be the world in which we live. That without suffering and heartache and pain, man would make almost no progress in life. Behind every virtue, there is trouble without fail. God hides wisdom beneath the struggle. He knows just how long the caterpillar in the cocoon has to struggle for it to push fluids into its wings and become the beautiful monarch butterfly. He knows just how long the chick in the shell has to struggle and fight and peck its way out of, the, out of its shell. The mother may stand at the nest and sing to the chick and call to the chick, but that mother will not touch that shell and help that chick. Because the mother understands without that struggle, the chick will never arrive in life with enough stamina and immunity and strength to survive. When God sends trouble into our life, it's not to destroy us, but it's to develop us. It's to make us stronger and better. There are things that I would never have thought that I could have handled and survived if God had not brought them into my life. I would have never taken them on myself. I think just within this congregation, there is hidden enough trouble and experiences of life that out of that, the most profound wisdom and strength will come to you. He came not out of blessing, but trouble. The deepest character more metamorphosizes out of the trouble and the challenges and the difficulties that we have in life. If I had to go back and live life over again, you could have all of my blessings. You could have every benefit I've had in life. The one thing I would not give up is my challenges and the trouble and the injustice that I have suffered because it has made me what I am. It has distilled things into me that no other way I could have developed in my life. Don't misunderstand me. I hate trouble. I despise trouble. I'm not being a preacher who has forgotten that I'm a human, I'm a man. Like all of you, I avoid trouble wherever I can in life. But that's the message of today. The things that we hate to admit, 
are often the very best things for us. What's going on in this nation is for this nation's benefit and well-being. The kind of chaos, the kind of confusion, the kind of division, the kind of hatred that is going on. Out of it, the church can show its true colors and its true self. We have a a power and an opportunity to shed the light of Jesus Christ into a dark, dark, dark world. Amen. We seek to avoid and escape trouble, but often they bear the children of richest resources the very best in us, and the very best for us. The birth of every prophet in Scripture came out of a nation of trouble that sin produced. Sin produced a cross. Without sin, there would be no cross. Amen. Every prophet arose because the nation was in trouble. God raised mighty men in a time of chaos and confusion in Israel. There were no mighty men in the time of Solomon. There were no mighty men. They were in the time of David when the kingdom was young, when it was developing, when there was danger on every border. God sent people who were like the sons of Issachar who had an understanding of the times and knew what ought to be done. We need fresh sons of Issachar in the day that we're living. In times of Israel's prosperity and peace, there's no record of mighty men. There's no record of a prophet of note. There's no women dancing in streets. But in the time of trouble and of exile, when the nation faced destruction, that creative voices emerged. All great thinking begins with trouble. All great thinking begins with trouble. I remember as a child in an elementary school when the polio outbreak happened in our world. And, and I knew of friends that had to live in what was called iron lungs to breathe for them under the devastation of that disease. And when Jonas Salk developed a vaccine that gave us immunity over polio, it was a grand day in our world. But had there not been a difficulty, there would have never come a remedy. The pain of our current times will produce solutions unknown to us and they will come from arenas and from people that we never imagined. That we never imagined. I don't know what your political affiliation is. I really don't care. But I will say this because it's true. God has raised up a heathen pagan and give him to us as a president. And he has done more for the church and more for Christian liberty than all other presidents combined, including all of those who call themselves Christian. A life that's insulated from trouble, you will find an absence of self-sacrifice, great love, and no great endeavors. 
Every advancement of man has come out of difficulties that we faced and challenged. I remember when I first entered the ministry, the first church I pastored, we had five services a week. Five services every single week. I pastored in northern Arizona. I had farmers in the church, mostly just skilled laborers within the church. They had to work hours. Farmer, during the planting and harvest season, would work from daylight to dark, but they never missed church. They never missed church. Trouble is not an intruder because we as humans are essentially lazy. We really are. It takes trouble to provoke the best out of us. It takes trouble to turn our carts over and disturbs our life. In a world where Jesus Christ was crucified to appease corrupt men, and we see the innocent bearing scars that they never deserved, Paul described them this way, of whom this world was not worthy. There are people who live among us who have suffered incredible injustice, things that we only see but we have never felt and we've never had to live with. And they've done it. Maintaining their faith and confidence in humanity and this world is not worthy of them since we live in a world where there is injustice it gives us possibility for among us to rise people who like Esther can say if I perish I perish where society has been improved it has always been at the price of great moral risk just look at Abraham Lincoln. Just look at Martin Luther King Jr. Just look at Daniel, Gideon, Esther, Jesus Christ. You can go on and on and on. Would they have ever become what they become had not the world and situation in which they were born were so dark and so opposing? In times... We live in a time where the wages of injustice are eternally eternal. And America is paying for much of the injustice that we have fomented on our citizens. We're facing the judgment for that today. We are. We are. You might as well shake your head yes, because we are. God's justice is, is eternal. We are interconnected. What happens to one overflows to all. Those who have taken moral risk have benefited the wicked as well as the righteous. Trouble in life's, trouble is life's most valuable trust. God is careful who he chooses for trouble. That's why God chose Job, because he knew he could trust him with trouble. That's why God called Paul a Pharisee of Pharisees, a persecutor of the church out of that world 
because he know, knew that Paul with a converted heart could stand where probably Peter, James, or John, or Nathaniel, or Bartholomew never could. We understand that when a person is given great wealth, a person arrives on scene with uncommon talent, with unusual opportunity, granted positions they didn't earn. We say that's a trust. Don't waste it. But I'm here to call the church today. We cannot waste the trouble that we're in. Have you ever considered that the trouble our nation is is in is a trust from God, and it must not be wasted? We cannot squander it. We have to learn to grow. We have to learn to develop. We have to learn to mature as Christians. There's things in us that God has not been able to instill in our Christian lives up until now. There are things that we have yet to learn. There are, there are strengths that we yet do not have and possess in our spiritual life. And God is placing us in a challenging time to develop that and demonstrate it to the world. Can you say, I have been born into this for such a time as this? I remember a biography I read years ago. And in it, the author was offering that, what do we need now? Do we need another Patton? Do we need another MacArthur to come and lead our troops? Do we need another Abraham Lincoln who can come and, and, and fight for the injustices and the lack of liberties that exist among us? What, what do we need today? And Milton's answer was, thou art needed at this hour. You and I are born for a time such as this. God has brought us into the church. There is no, we cannot resurrect some patriarch from the past or some apostle or some prophet. God has us living in this hour because this is our hour to live. This is our chance to prove the faithfulness of his grace and his love into our life. We're given the opportunity of living like Job in a troubled and disturbing time and proving that we'll not charge God foolishly. Some in our society are leaving behind turmoil, destruction, and devastation. I think the church of God has something better to offer, and we need to be out in the public offering it. We need to be confronting our world with what we have to offer. They don't have any problem confronting the world with their anger and their devastation. They don't have trouble tearing down. Amen. Always evil is in destruction and chaos. The thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. We have the abundant life to offer the world that we live in. We have so much to offer. And we're so silent and hidden from our world. The greatest contributions in our society are from those who lived in a time of trouble. And they took it as a trust and left redemption in its place. 
And God is calling us to do that today. For the atheist who wants to focus on the ills and the injustices of the time that we live as evidence that there is no God, I'm here to tell you that Christianity is not soft and sentimental. That's a caricature that's made, that, that it made saccharine, and that's a caricature. The Scripture is built on trouble. Our faith takes trouble as its background. At the center of Christianity is a cross. Christianity and trouble are not antagonists. They're born twins. They're born in the same manger. The Bill Mars of this world ask, how can a good God make a world with so much trouble in it? My answer is, how could no God make a world with so much good in it? If there is no God then there is no truth, there is no goodness, there is no sacrifice, there is no creativity. In the time of trouble, it becomes an insoluble conundrum if God isn't real. It's not trouble that embitters us, really. It's humans who act inhumanely. All of us were created to act better than we have but we don't, and it's time that we did. It's time that we lived the Christian example. It is we, not God, who is responsible for the trouble, injustice, and evil in this world. Only God sends trouble into a life that needs it, that needs it. If my faith in God stands on He who promised us that I can start with tribulation and out of that find patience and out of my patience find experience and out of that experience come to hope and out of that hope found a love that passes all understanding. Where else can you start with trouble and end with love except at the cross of Jesus Christ? Trouble has proven its worth. It's proven it in dens and furnaces and pits and prisons and on a cross. And I believe that it'll be proven again in 2020 and 2021. And here's some things that every Christian should have in their hair can file, and I'm closing. The psalmist said in chapter 27, for in a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, and in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me and shall set me upon a rock. He wrote later, I will, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble Thou hast known my soul in adversities. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in a time of trouble. For our God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
for he hath delivered me out of all trouble. And mine eyes have seen his desire upon my enemies. We've all read the back of the book. We win. We win. We overcome. We make it. There is no temptation that has taken us, but such is common to man. But God with it makes with it a way of escape. Amen. If you have no hair can file for life, I, I, I highly recommend that you work one out, one out with God. Who knows what the rest of 2020 and the coming 2021 presents for us. There's going to be chaos regardless of how the election goes. There's going to be riots. There's going to be turmoil. No matter what happens, do you have a hurricane file in your life that you're prepared for it? I know this. If God can sustain two and a half million in the wilderness with no means of any foodstuff, with no means of water, I think God can take care of his people. I think God can take care of his people. Amen. I can't testify the validity of this, but I heard a man proclaim that he was a missionary to some Indians. He was out going from one village to the next village, and he ran out of gas. And he said, God, you know I, I need to get there. You know I do. And so he took, he always carried a gallon of water in his trunk with him. And he said, God, you turn water into wine. You need to turn it into gasoline. He poured that gallon of water in his tank, started up his car, went on his way. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I, I can believe God would do that. Amen. What is your faith and confidence in God? How sure are you? The thing I have prayed ardently, more so than I ever have in my spiritual life, is God, that whatever comes, don't let my faith fail. Give me the strength, the trust, the faith, the confidence in you that regardless of what happens, I'm in your hand. You know, I've gone through all kinds of scenarios of me standing before the tribunal, them telling me that we're going to kill your children, we're going to kill your grandchildren, we're going to kill your great-grandchildren if you don't deny him. You can do to me what you want to, but don't touch my family, don't touch my kids.
don't touch the people who love God. You try to touch them, it's going to bring the worst out of me. But I've had to come to the place that God, we're all in your hands. And whatever happens, it happens. If I have to live and see myself starve, my wife starve, my children, my grandchildren, see the church that I pastored starve because we won't take the mark of the beast. I've got to be willing to do it. Now, I believe he's coming before all that happens. But I believe some things before that I found they weren't right. <laughs> may not be right about that. I think I am, but I may not be. We need a hurricane file on our life. We need a hurricane file. We need to be willing to face and have the strength to face whatever comes in this world, in this life. And I know, I know this. I know this just being a man that I can deal with this a whole lot better than you women can. Because I know you're so invested in your offspring. You're so invested in those that you've born. But how much do we really trust God? I think in 2021, we're going to find out. I pray we don't. I pray God spares us and that He gives us a space. But I do know this. If God doesn't judge America, He's going to have to resurrect Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize. How's your hair can file? How equipped are you to face the challenges of what may come? I know this message has been heavy. I fought. I asked God after Sunday school, Lord, Don's covered everything I really need to cover. Do I really need to do this? Yeah, I needed to do this. We need to face the realities of where we are and our opportunities because you and I are here for such a time as this. So many of us have suffered things that we should have been dead, me multiple times, but God has kept us alive because we have a light to shine in this world for such a time as this. I'm so grateful that my mother, my grandparents are gone, that they don't have to witness the America that we now live in. It, 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 it just terrifies me to understand that I'm not giving my children the America I grew up in. I know that I'm not altogether responsible for it, but I have to take part, part responsibility for it. We have to shine now, church. Now's the time for the church to be the church. Now's the time to stand up and be bold, to worship like we're worshiping. 
Amen. We've kind of played around at worship in the past, but we're starting to really worship God. Amen. We're finally starting to exalt Him in the realm that He deserves. Praise God. How about coming and building a hurricane file with me? Come on, let's come build a hurricane file with God. Let's put something in our spirit. Put something in our spirit. God, that whatever comes. Hallelujah. I want to be present. I want to be present. I don't want to just be here. I want to be present, God. I want to let my light so shine that men may see my good works and glorify you in heaven. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.